0: Fenella Bruce is a veteran television producer and writer. She is now at the helm of FKB Media Solutions, a media consulting business. Having worked in the field of journalism for over 20 years, Fenella has produced both of Canada's national morning shows, Your Morning and Canada AM. She has been the senior writer, or producer at numerous major market television stations, including CTV News Channel, CTV National, CP24, City TV, Toronto One, and BET. Sit back and listen as Fenella Bruce, a recipient of the 2020 100 Accomplished Black Canadian Women Award, takes us on her journey. Growing up. I always want to see more people who look like me that were successful. Can I afford to take a risk to follow my dreams? We are excited to bring you the Make Your Mark podcast hosted by philanthropist Kim Niles. The Make Your Mark podcast allows you to hear personal stories of resilience by professionals and public figures of color. Our guests unapologetically share their triumphs, lessons learned, and how they found balance in their experiences. Tune in to equip yourself with strategies and coping mechanisms on how to boldly, make your mark. Subscribe and listen now. Hello, Fenella. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kim. So happy to be here. I know this is a bit different. Usually you're the one behind the scenes, pushing everyone forward. And today we get to learn about Fenella Bruce. And I am super excited please tell our viewers a little bit about yourself and your journey into becoming a media consultant.
1: Well, I mean, it's funny what you say. I'm I'm thinking now like my clients and everyone's going to be listening to this interview to see if I take my own advice that I give them about interviews. <laughs> and so, um, you know, my my journey is a long one. I'm going to summarize it because I don't want to take up all the time talking about how I got here. But um, long story short, I did my undergrad at U of T in English. And then after that, I did my graduate degree at Rotterdam in, in, uh, in journalism. And um, shortly after that, I, I did a couple of uh, work for myself. I did a couple of um, my community oriented communications positions. And then I got my first full time. Uh, sorry, actually, it was part time position at Breakfast Television as a writer. And within a few months, that transferred to a full-time position, uh, writing for the 6 o'clock News and the 11 o'clock News, City News. And uh, that was my entry into uh, the career of journalism. I wanted to work in television. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, because when I was in school, like everybody else, I wanted to be a reporter. And then I soon found out that, yeah, that's not going to happen right out of school. And you kind of needed to work your way up. Um, and do different things to to get that opportunity. And one of the things that I was told constantly in school was that you had to move out of the you know Toronto to a smaller market if you want to get uh, into a bigger market. So get that experience in a smaller market and then get hired. I wasn't interested in moving. Um, one of the main reasons is, as you know, Toronto is very multicultural. If I move out of Toronto, I'm probably going to be very lonely. <laughs> person so so because I love my people so I decided to uh, I had a couple of different uh, mentors and people who gave me advice and I decided to uh, do the writing I was very good at writing um, uh, at City TV and so I I was working in that area and then I was encouraged to um, continue on that path and the natural path for that is to becoming a producer so I became a senior writer and then I became a producer. Uh, for a number of shows at City TV, um, like the six o'clock, the six o'clock, the weekend shows, and uh, City um, City TV City News at noon. I'm trying to remember all because they had so many incarnations of names. <laughs> so I'm trying to get it right. So the noon news, and I was the producer for City Online, which was a call-in talk show uh, that came on after the uh, twelve o'clock news. And so I kind of rotated around in that area for a few years, and then I left and had a couple of kids, and I came back into um, uh, into uh, television news working at a, a station called Toronto One. And so before, prior to that, when I was at City, I'm going to backtrack for a second, that was when uh, CP24 was launched, and everybody knows CP24 now, and I was there for the inception of that, for the creation of that, and part of building that. A new station. So with that experience in my in my back pocket, I applied to Toronto One, which was a new station that was starting up. So I wanted to start, I wanted to help develop a station again from the grassroots. It's a really interesting experience, and to be part of something that um, you're just you know going with new ideas and trying to change, you know, move the needle, move the dial, and what's out there already. So I worked at Toronto One for a few a few years until that station was bought out. And then I went back to City, and I worked there. I did it; um, um, was producing series for them. And then I was working again on City Online in the twelve o'clock news. And then I moved on to uh, Canada AM, where I was a producer, the news producer there for about six or seven years. And so I produced the news for for that show as well as um, the sh- overall show itself. I was the back in uh, backup fill in producer for that. So I would produce a show as well. And then I'm Canada AM, (laughs) had the plug pulled. And so uh, Your Morning was created and I was the control room producer for Your Morning. And then I moved on to CTV News Channel, where I was a producer there. And about that time, I decided that I felt like I had kind of done everything I wanted to do in this area in terms of television producing news. Um, And I wanted a new challenge. My kids were grown up. And I kind of had a little bit more time to, to focus and think about what I really wanted to do or, or didn't get to do throughout my career because I had family commitments, because I had to, you know, financial commitments commitments or scheduling commitments. So I kind of, you know, just thought about what I wanted to do. I had a job coach that helped me cultivate my idea. Uh, you know, figure out financially if I could do it. And I started sort of doing a little bit of publicity from mainly people who have, who asked me. It was kind of like a natural progression that I would bump, I bumped into someone and, you know, they asked me if I could do something for them. And I had always throughout years been doing things on the side anyway. So it wasn't like I wasn't ever doing things. Um, like, I like to tell people I'm your typical, typical Caribbean. I had like, you know, four or five jobs happening. So I was always doing some little thing on the side. Even when I was at City TV in the early days, I was actually a music manager. <laughs> That's a whole other life. <laughs> and so I had, you know, artists that I was managing, right? So um, so when I was doing some of those smaller projects, when I was at CTV News Channel, instead of just sort of snowballing into what I wanted to do anyways. And by the time I left, which they were asking me to stay, I was like, I can't do both. I had too much stuff happening and want something had to give. Right. And it was time for me to go. So I left, and that was three years ago. And I started my own uh, company, FKB Media Solutions. And I've been going since. And so, FKB Media Solutions, I like to tell people, is sort of all things media. It's sort of a, a combination of, of everything that I've learned in my like 25 year career. So, I do publicity, I do media consulting. I do media training, media workshops, um, media literacy. And yes, I used to teach media literacy while I was working <laughs> at City TV. And at, at Canada AM, I would finish work and then I would go and teach at Centennial College um, media, media theory class. So I have that ex- for five years. I did that. So I have that experience. And I also have obviously my television production experience. So I do some of that TV producing and I do live stream producing, which we're all into now. So all of these things come together. And I do media sponsorship acquisition. So all of these things kind of come together and uh, it keeps me quite busy.
0: Wow. So my career you, in that show. As I said, like veteran is definitely the word. Like you're in every aspect of media. Fanella, how did you know that you wanted to get into this world?
1: Well, when I was younger, I would, the TV was the magic box, right? And so I wanted to, I couldn't figure out how those people were in there, how they got in there. I, you know, I was mesmerized as most kids (laughs) are, right? With the whole thing. And so I knew, like, I knew I wanted to do something in television. I was always a writer. I was very good at creative writing. I would write stories and poetry. I had like one of my first poems published in like the Toronto Sun and, So I knew that I had that skill set. I didn't know how to formulate what it is that I wanted to do, right? And so when I finished and throughout high school, I was writing, I I thought about at one point becoming a lawyer because I did very, very well in my law class. So I was sort of in high school, uncertain about what it is, but I knew it was going to be something creative. I knew it was going to be something writing, maybe something in television, but I wasn't sure about how to get there. And so... When I finished, when I was applying to universities, I did apply to Carleton because they have one of the best journalism schools. And I applied to York, um, which I I got a scholarship for. And I applied to U of T. And I got into all of those schools. And why I didn't end up going to Carleton was that I wasn't 100% sure I wanted to do journalism. I didn't want to be locked into a journalism degree in case that's not what I wanted to do. I also didn't really want to leave home, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was, there was a twofold there, and so I was like, I would rather, I wanted to, I said, you know, I'd rather, you know, do my BA and then see if I still was interested in it, then I could do a graduate program or a master's program, and um, I still had that degree to fall back on for anything else, so Again, I'm, again, the home thing. So I didn't go to New York, even though I had a scholarship because the U of T, I went to U of T uh, Scarborough, which was where I was living at the time and it was closer to home. So when I was there, I still felt that, that, you know, media bug pulling at me. So I ended up writing for the school paper. Um, I worked for um, the paper there and I worked for the varsity downtown. I ended up um becoming the program director for the news, for the um, radio station. And I also had my own radio show. I was playing music, like my dad's old records. <laughs> You're really taking me back here. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, I, and TV was the missing piece, but there was no television aspect for me to do. Right. But I knew I was interested in journalism. Like I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed what I was doing. And so then I started looking into graduate programs. And so uh, by the time I finished at maybe my second year UT, I knew that I wanted to go into journalism. And so I figured out the path um, to get there, which was applying, I applied to Ryerson. There was a couple other ones, Western I think had one, but I applied to Ryerson again, because I wanted to stay local. And that program uh, takes 60 people from across Canada and 700 people <laughs> applied. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, so it, it was. It's not an easy program to get into. You have to write an essay. You have to do a current events test. You have to do an interview. And I actually, luck of the draw, my interview was with the dean of the journalism program. <laughs> I was like, really? I didn't know that at the time, though. I only realized that once I got into the program and class started, and he walked in to introduce himself, and I was like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> I had to get the dean. <laughs> but it was good, obviously, because I got in. So um, that's, that's how I got into to television. And then when I was at Ryerson, you know, you, you do general sort of, it was a two-year program. So you kind of do a general thing where you learn all areas in the first year. And then in the second year, you, you stream down. And I just picked everything television possible. That was my interest. I knew I wasn't going to go into print. I knew I wasn't going to go into radio.
0: It was television. What is the life of a producer like? So we see the end, at the end of every movie, we see producers, we see all these fancy names and titles, but what does the behind the scenes look like?
1: Well, I can speak more to um, a news producer. Some things are transferable to a television producer, and there's different types of producers, there's executive producers, and they're generally the people with the money who are uh-huh. financing it. right? But um, you know, the producer who's doing, say, the grant work um, in news is the person who is uh, assigning the stories, who's deciding on, you know, what what content is going in, deciding on the flow of the show. Um, so, a CTV News Channel. One of the positions I was, the lineup producer. So, I would literally put together the show. Say, I'm working a shift, so it's three hours uh, of the show. I would decide. the headlines are. I would decide um, all the different, the news flow, so the order of the stories, and then I would assign them to the writers. Uh, For that station, there were no reporters, but when I was at City TV, I would assign it to the reporters uh, to do the story. Producers also generally vet the scripts. Um, They should be like the last eyes on the script, so make sure everything is factual, clear, etc., right, for any sort of mistakes and uh, they're in the control room. Sometimes you might have two different producers for this, but generally speaking, they're in the control room and they're making sure that the show flows properly. If there's breaking news, getting that information to the anchor, uh, you know, addressing any issues, you see the anchor with the IFB in their air, so they will be talking to the producer if there's anything that they need to know or any clarification that they need to have on anything. So they make sure that the show is is on time. You'll have a producer assistant who times the show out, but you'll also make the call if it's heavy, what you should drop; if it's light, what you should add in. Those sort of sort of editorial decisions.
0: Oh, that sounds stressful.
1: <laughs> it, it can be stressful depending on the show. Um, you know, it was it was. Uh, <laughs> I, I tell you something. There's something to be said for your brain um, and adjusting for things. When, for example, with Canada AM and also for breakfast television, where you're getting up in the middle of the night at, you know, for for um, Canada AM, I used to get up at 2 a.m. And also keep in mind, I lived close to the station. So that helped me a lot. Right. I li- literally I timed it. I lived like 11 minutes from the station. Wow. Right? Okay. OK. Um, but that's because there's no traffic and I'm all highway. Right. So. You know, you're getting up at 2 a.m. I get into work at 3 a.m. And I need to, like, know what the news was yesterday, know what the news agenda should be for today, the day that I'm working, um, what, you know, the headlines or the big story is, how we're going to manage that in the morning, uh, you know, reading wire copy, looking at video that, you know, has coming in. Sometimes things are breaking overnight, stuff that's coming in, making sense of it, assigning it. So you're functioning and you're hitting the ground running. There's no time to sort of warm up because you literally have like three hours. And and in that time, you have a morning meeting. So that's like a half an hour there that's taken out to get the show going for 6
0: a.m. I'll keep my job.
1: (laughs) So it, it can be stressful. It can be stressful, especially, like I said, when there's breaking news, it can be very stressful. But um, it's an adrenaline rush, right? And so, I like what I really liked about television versus, say, print or radio was that every day I came in, it was different, and it was, you know, and it was, it was a challenge, and I like challenges. And it was uh, a different story every day, And, and you know, you have to, if you're a journalist, unless you're specializing in something, you kind of have to be knowledgeable on everything. We have to have sort of a working knowledge of what's happening in the world who the players are what it, what something means right if someone does something what it can mean to you know society or it can mean to an issue so it, it keeps your brain going right and so I liked that I like to be stimulating versus you know going in every day to the same sort of Job and just you know doing the same routine. I've had in 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 university, they've had those jobs, right? Where data entry, where you're just you know entering numbers and punching a clock and going home. I knew I couldn't do that for the rest of my life.
0: I mean, there's definitely something to say for diversity in your workplace and having every day different. It keeps it exciting, keeps you on your toes, but you also got to be on your game for sure. Because and if, if just like you said, breaking news, you got to know, okay, what can I drop? What can I pull from this slot to ensure that your viewers, because I'm sure that's something that's measured uh, based on each show, that they're they're excited about watching your show because you're always on top of it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, my kids will tell you growing up, they're just like, can we turn off the news? <laughs> because it was on all the time, right? Like, I mean, we had more than one TV, right? But I would always have it on just even, I'm not necessarily that I was watching it, just in the background, because I just wanted to always sort of, I didn't want to be caught with my down, right? I always wanted to be knowing what was happening. And then of course, with the advent of you know, smartphones and and social media, it made things even worse, right? Because now you're paying attention or you're getting alerts on your phone about what's happening. But, uh, you know, it it can be a lot and it can be overload. When I was on my mat leave, I purposely didn't watch anything other than (laughs) kids' shows, right? I just, because I needed to decompress because it was just, it was a constant, like, I knew the stories that were happening, particularly at the time when I was at city, very local stories, right? And I also knew the backstories, the things that people didn't know about, right? That we couldn't put on air. And I saw visuals that people couldn't or wouldn't want to see, right? Of life and death and, and horrible things and, and things that we can't, you know, from court stories that we can't publish, but I had to bet that first, right? So I know those things that we could put out there for everybody to know. So all of those things, you know, you, you have in your head as well, and you have to sort of separate and, and you know, build a sort of wall in your head in terms of, of those issues. And, and it can get to you at, some time, at, at certain points, of course.
0: Looking to consolidate your debt? in the market to purchase your first home interested in acquiring an investment property. Look no further. More freedom is here to serve you. We aim to furnish our clients with the power and the confidence over their finances and a sense of accomplishment of taking the first step to get there. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at I want more freedom. And you can always connect with us via our website at morefreedom.ca. What was the transition like from moving from the corporate world to now FKB Media Solutions, being a full-time entrepreneur?
1: It was good. Uh, It was an adjustment. I think a couple of things that I had to get used to, um, cause people think, ah, oh, you work for yourself. So you can set your own schedule and do your own thing. And, and so, and you know, they can call you anytime and chat with you. <laughs> right? So I had to, um, learn to set boundaries for people and, and myself. Right. And so you have to be, and I, I'm a pretty, um, regimented person, pretty routine person. So, uh, you know, I, I, One thing I do do that I get, you know, people laugh about, but I spent so many years, Kim, jumping out of bed to an alarm clock that I get up very gradually now. And I don't get up early. And when I say early, what I mean is like, you know, if you're going to a job for like eight or nine, getting up at seven or whatever, right? I get out, I get up between the hours of like eight and nine a.m. And so and, and I don't have an alarm clock. Well, I do have an alarm clock, but I don't set it. Right? So so. Um, but once my day has started, my day I would say starts officially like nine. I have my first meeting every morning at nine thirty with my assistant. So by about nine thirty, I'm I'm hitting the road, and I I don't wrap up really if I'm being honest till about maybe ten or eleven at night, and um what I do is I work throughout the day and then I'll and then I'll stop you know to have something to eat for dinner or whatever I'll have something to eat throughout the day right but I'm just saying I'll stop like heartbreak at like six or six thirty or so have something to eat and then I'll take my laptop and I'll move over into my bed (laughs) and I'll just kind of do little things and it's not hard work in that part of the day it's more like catching up on any sort of emails and which I schedule and they go out early. So people think I'm up early and then I'll, um, you know, do any sort of reading or whatever documents, that sort of light sort of stuff I'll do before I go to bed. So the adjust, the biggest adjustment moving is obviously just managing my own time. Right. And then I was also doing stuff on the weekends. I stopped doing that. And so knowing to shut that off, I'll just never have a life if I, if I was to continue doing that. And I think the other thing was um, adjusting to the fact that I am a business. And so I had to now become an accountant and, you know, learn all of those processes and, um, you know, tax, taxes and payroll and all these other things that I I was like, oh, yeah, I guess when I was working for someone, someone else was doing all of those things. Right. So I think that is sort of the adjustment of learning, um, now to be a, to be a, um, an employer, which I, I think sounds weird when I hear that, right? Like I'm somebody's boss, but I do have two people working for me now. So, um, now it's sort of reversed from me being the employee to being the employer. So it's just re- getting my head wrapped around that sort of getting my headspace wrapped around that. I think it's been an adjustment, but I like it. I definitely like it.
0: Do you believe you've tapped into your authentic skin? Yes. What you makes more? you believe that? Yes, I know. One word answer. What What brings you there? What has What has made you believe that you've you've landed there?
1: Well, I think number one is that I wake up happy every morning. I wake up happy and blessed. I feel great about life. I uh, have started recently doing a lot of uh, meditation and a lot of positive, um, a lot of. Um, affirmations and um, visioning about things. And I, like, I just feel good. And I feel very confident about the skin that I'm in, who I am, what I've done. I I feel like I've paid my dues in so many ways in so many areas. (laughs) And um, I also receive a lot of positive energy in my life. I have um, had people reaching out to me, Kim, that I don't even know. And this is part of, I guess, the good part of social media, right? Is that uh, it does connect people um, that aren't necessarily in your circle or whatnot. But I have had um, people reach out to me and who've seen, you know, an interview with me or, or saw, or was at my workshop or saw something about me on LinkedIn and, you know, with such words of encouragement and pride and they don't know me. Right. And, and that feeds my spirit, right. That, you know, um i can have that effect on someone who doesn't even know me as a person i mean i am a good person but they don't even know that part yet right? <laughs> they're just seeing you know what they're seeing so um you know i feel very uh, at peace with a lot of things i feel good about my you know my family um, i have very um close knit family so i feel very loved i feel very blessed and so I, I'm, I'm good. (laughs) That's
0: good. That's good. Who has made the biggest impression on who you are becoming today?
1: Who made the biggest impression on me? Yes. Oh, wow. There's a few people. Okay. Um, I mean, definitely my parents. My parents, uh, have been so instrumental in my, in my upbringing and also, um, who I am today and also just, uh, their support of me currently, right. They've, they've always been very, um, you know, helpful to me, um, with my, my children, with what I want to pursue. Um, my mother, uh, is definitely, you know, one of my top role models and she's a very strong woman and she's, you know, she came, uh, she, she, you know, we talked about this the other day, like she, my, my parents are from Guyana and they met in England and she went to England to do her nursing, um, her nursing degree. And, you know, she left home at like 18, I think, 18 or 19 and went to a new country right? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> to go to school. And, you know, and then, and you know, she met my father and then they my father felt like um And he had gone there and he, you know, he was in the Air Force and stuff. And so he had felt like there was a lot of, at the time there was a lot of racism in in Britain. And he felt that particularly for him, um, he had a couple of, you know, one of them physical like incidents involving racism. And he felt like he wanted a better life for his children. And we moved us all to Canada, right? Another foreign country, didn't know anybody and started, you know, built a life there. So definitely the, 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 um, the risk-taking, the family uh, focus, you know, the courage um, to, to take on new things and to, to try new things that comes from my parents and, and that influence of, of that I can do anything and I can try anything and I can go anywhere. I, one of the things with my own children growing up is that, every year I made sure we went somewhere some different part of the world so that they can see how other people live and they can have that experience and they can um, um, enjoy other cultures and that they're not limited to thinking that this is, this is it, right? Where we live. There's, there's a whole big world out there. I mean, right now my, my daughter lives in, in British Columbia. Right. And so, you know, I, and, and you know, People are so surprised, my gosh, like, oh, you know, she's 21 and she moved across the country and she doesn't have any family there. And it's like, OK, she's, she's like, OK, <laughs> you know, and so that that kind of spirit like I I definitely got from my parents and um, I would say they're they're definitely the you know, my father stressed the importance of education. He was very involved with my brother and I. And, and so he was always in the schools, making sure he was our spokesperson, making sure that we were treated fairly. Um, we were part of a, a, an initiative. This is way back now. We're going way back that there was actually, and I don't know if people remember this. There was actually before the Afrocentric School, there was a black school. And on Saturdays, and they had a program and we went to that program. We were part of this pilot that went to the program to learn about Black history. And this was in the 70s, late 70s. So um, late 70s, maybe early eight. No, I wouldn't say it's late 70s. And so, you you know, he was always, you know, get an education and, you know, you can, you know, you have a lot of, you know, opportunities. And so my brother right now is like, he's a, he's a certified accountant. He's like um, the financial analyst for Nike. He's doing quite well, you know? And so, you know, I think my parents are onto something. I, I think I'm doing quite well. So, you know, they, they steered us in the, in the right direction. And I think, I think that for, for anyone and for maybe a lot of the issues, That we were having particularly in the black community that we should look at parenting and maybe focus more on that area (laughs) right and and you know and and sometimes you know you i don't want to say you can't blame you but you don't go to school for parenting right so if you come from a good home that kind of transfers on but if you don't you don't have those tools and so someone has to 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 give you those tools or to teach you so that you can pass them on to your kids.
0: And that's why we have this program. (laughs) So they could learn from trailblazers like yourself, because if we've ever had a time in time that parenting is very limited, like it's, it does, it's, I don't want to say it's non-existent, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's sometimes rare that children will be afforded the experience that you had or your children had.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, go ahead.
1: No, no, I was just gonna say, like, it's so funny because you you grow up obviously with the things when that you don't like that your parents make you do, right? And you're mad at them or whatnot. And but when I was parenting when my kids were young, and I had a situation, I was like, what would my parents do? <laughs> what did they do at this point? And, and that's what I would do, right? It was based on what I had been taught, right? Because in the end they were right, whatever they were you know, saying or doing, they were right.
0: But you also came from a place where your parents, uh, you know, hard work was the format in the house structure, discipline. And unfortunately, sometimes we don't have that in households and people teach what they know. Just like you just said, right, when you would have a situation with your kids, well, what would my parents do? And you would do exactly what they did with you. And that's where why we need parenting to be more at top of mind today, because the first place is the learning starts at home and then it moves into the schools and, but a lot of times now we are very dependent on the school system to teach our children. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the breakdown is beginning to happen or has happened till now. So
1: no, definitely. And and I think um, there are a lot of, I, I don't want people to think I'm not trying to be judgy. There are a lot of um, circumstances, right? Definitely like economics plays into it, right? Where, you know, you may have... A, all of the best intentions to be an amazing parent but if you have to work 12 hours a day right if you're a single mother and you have to you're the only person bringing in money or you're a single father and you're the only person in money you, you just don't have that anything left to parent right like you don't have that that the time or you're not there or you're not present or you're just too tired right but I also have always said too. This has been a bone of contention for me that I feel like this society has not been set up for families. The hours that you expect people to work, the childcare that's not available. When I was working my shift work, right, like you know, I didn't have I I there was there was nobody that could have, and I was a single mother. There was nobody who could um, be with my kids. Like I could have them say overnight, right, to be with my kids in the morning, right. I had um, a friend's mother. Who would come over at eleven o'clock at night and stay at my house so that she would be there in the morning with my kids? So there's no overnight care, and there's a lot of people that work shift work. There's no overnight care for kids that isn't in place, right? Even when you have people who work a regular day shift, you know, then you have these. And I and I had a day shift at one point where then I had to pay for before care because I had to be at work for eight o'clock, so I had to drop my kids off at like seven thirty in the morning. Right. And then you have to pay for aftercare because the, the school finishes at, you know, 334. And then there's that time. Nobody's finishing work at 334. <laughs> so okay. now you have to pay $20, you know, aftercare for, for someone to watch your kid, for the school to watch your kids or whatever school program that is. Right. So, you know, it's not about trying to have a family structure. And I think that one of the things I know I, I feel for a lot of people right now who are you know have their kids at home and all that sort of stuff because it is if you're not used to it it's a very hard thing to adjust to but i also think that it's beneficial now for people who are working from home that they now are seeing more of their kids and maybe getting to know their kids a little better
0: tired of being tired seeking to build your self-confidence are you feeling uncomfortable in your skin It's time to move with Kim. Studies have shown that in this era of exponential growth of the metabolic syndrome and obesity, lifestyle modifications have been proven to be one of the most effective ways to improve your health and quality of life. Let's chat about you, your goals, and how we will get you there. Send your inquiries to hello at kimniles.com. And let's start conditioning your mental and physical health today. What is your greatest fear? (laughs) My greatest
1: fear? Um, My greatest fear? Well, I, I suppose that, I mean, I don't want to, I want to be healthy, right? So I don't want to, you know, my greatest fear is being sick, I suppose right? Like I, I try to focus, um, particularly now as I'm getting older, I try to focus on my health. And I was always a person who, you know, ate properly. And I try to get in my ex. I don't like exercising. Sorry, Kim. I don't like exercising. <laughs> <laughs> but I do it. Right, And, um, you know, even if I do it a little bit, I still try to do it. And, and, you know, even if it's just going for a walk and whatnot, because I know it's good for me. And, and so, you know, definitely during when the pandemic hit, oh my gosh, I was a nervous wreck because I was like watching all these horror stories of people getting sick on TV and I didn't and how bad this thing could be. And I just didn't want to get sick. And so definitely that that is a concern of mine because there's so many different things that you hear and, you know, this can cause you cancer and this can, you know... Um, these to Alzheimer's or whatever it is, right. That those things, I try not to focus on it because it's the negative things. Right. But I think that's what I worry about that, you know, maybe I'm, something may happen to me and I won't be able to accomplish everything that I want to accomplish before the Lord decides it's time for me to come home.
0: Your health is definitely your wealth. You know, I had to say that.
1: (laughs) It is. It is. It's so important. That's why I don't play. That's why I have my self-care Sundays and I take care of myself and I, you know, pamper myself. I do my nails. I give myself a facial. I do like a little um, deep conditioner for my hair and just relax and take a minute and just pause because, uh, my weeks are, my days definitely are all like packed, right? And so you, you have to take it a second or else you're going to burn out. And I have burnt out. So I know that for a fact, right? So I make sure I carve out that time and, you know, take a minute to just breathe because all of this stuff is, you know, it's great, but your health is the most important thing. If you don't have your health, you will have nothing and I'll tell you a quick story and why I definitely know that is a few years ago, It's almost 10 years ago or so I broke my tailbone and your tailbone is like, <laughs> it's this really tiny thing, right? It's a little tiny thing, little tiny, they call it a coccyx. I think is, is the medical term. And um, I did not realize how important that was until it was broken. And you, uh, it took me like, like, if I want to say my entire, um, recuperation fully two years, right. Initially, uh, you cannot sit, right. could not sit properly. I had a, like a donut that I had to sit on, um, could not turn over, right. Like in bed, like it, it was painful to turn. So I had to sleep like one way, right. You can barely walk. It was very hard to walk. Right. It was horrible. And then and then even once I had done physio and, it, you know, I had healed, I still had constant pain when I sat for a long time, you know, or I had to sit on a cushion, you know, and, and, you know, when it was colder, I could feel the pain in my back. So this little thing that I took for granted, and I thought was no big deal, was the center of my whole mobility. <laughs> Right. And, and literally, you know, and knocked me off of work for like four months. Right. So, you know, that's when you realize, right. Like how, and you know, how important you health I couldn't work. I couldn't, you know, do things with my kids. I couldn't move. I was, you know, my father came into care of me. Like it was, it was like, wow well, like your health, if you don't have it, you have nothing.
0: Definitely. I mean, it's so, it's crazy how little things on your body that can get tampered with. Like your tailbone is a big deal. Like that's a big injury, but little things, it could be like your big toe or your Mm -hmm. pinky toe or like a finger. And they're like, oh my goodness. Like I didn't appreciate that before, but definitely you have to take care of yourself because it is essential. Without your health, you have nothing. And I say that all the time. And I think people think, oh, you know, she just likes to move, but really it you just have one injury and it will really show you how much you need to appreciate the one body that you're given.
1: Exactly.
0: And treat it like a temple. A true te- Like, seriously, your body is definitely a temple. As we begin to wrap up, what is a message you would give to your younger self? <sighs> L- looking back now, <laughs> you're writing your memoirs. What is that message that you would give to your younger self?
1: Um, I would definitely have believed in myself more earlier. Uh, One of the things that people say to me, oh my gosh, you're so brave that you quit your job and started your own business. And, you know, when I was working and one of the things you you talked about earlier, seeing like names of producers and credits and now in the news, they don't even do that anymore. I think they do it at Christmas and that's it, right? But when I was at City, it was part of the union thing. So a lot of people used to see my name in the credits, but you always at the end would see, you know, whether it's Moses Slimer's name or Bell Media or whoever, and they're getting credit they're not in the trenches, right? But they're getting the credit, right? (laughs) For what you did. And so I'm like, I can make these people millions of dollars a year. Why wouldn't I do that for me? Right? So why wouldn't I bet on me? Right? And because they're betting on me. They certainly are at a real deal. right? (laughs) So why wouldn't I do that? So I, I, and I, and I think that, I would have probably done this earlier if not for my family situation, because like I said, I was always entrepreneurial in spirit. I was always doing something, even when I finished school and I didn't get hired right away at my dream like um, television job. I was doing PR for community organizations. I was freelance writing. I was writing for music magazines. I told you a whole other life. I was doing a lot of other things, right? Hustling. And so, you know, it was always there. So, you know, maybe I would have done it um, sooner, uh, if I have maybe the confidence uh, a little earlier, and I think that um, I would probably tell my younger self as well. This is a whole. Uh, this is a whole other discussion, Kim. But definitely, I would have made different choices in my romance, romantic department. Definitely.
0: Okay. What would be a piece of advice you'd give to a young person today? <sighs> Wanting. <laughs> Wanting to, let me, let's, let's narrow that in. Cause okay. that's a broad question. Yeah, Wanting to become an entrepreneur.
1: Well, I would tell them definitely to um, always be someone who seeks knowledge. Even now um, at this point where people think, oh my gosh, you know, all this, whatever. I sign up for webinars all the time. And it's not that I sit and watch them. I'll have them on while I'm working. So I'm listening, right. To whatever it is. Right? I'm always like looking, um, I just watched a video today and I always do the rule of three. So I heard about this thing called NFT um, and someone told me about it. Then it came up in one of my emails, then I saw it again somewhere else. So I'm like, okay, I need to find out what this is. And so I watched a video to learn all about this new um, sort of currency that's happening for art, purchasing art called NFT. So always have a thirst for knowledge. Always be learning, right, if you're going to go into entrepreneurship because it can lead to so many different things. And um, and you also want to, to be knowledgeable. You have to be on, on so many different areas. Like I said, I'm, I'm, you know, doing my accounting and I'm doing my marketing and I'm doing my, you know, writing. Uh, you know, I'm doing everything. I'm wearing so many different hats. Um, what did they say the chief cook and bottle washer right I'm my photographer (laughs) I'm you know my producer like I'm doing webinars and I, I had to sort of dig back into when I was at Ryerson and learn how to like put my camera on my tripod and position it and white balance and all that sort of stuff that I did a billion years ago right but I learned it so it wasn't a huge learning curve I just had to dig it they get back up. Right. So you, you don't know, you know, I say this, you know, to my kids, you know, when they're like, when they were in school and why am I learning this? You don't know when you're going to need it. Just learn it because you're going to need it at some point in your life. You're going to be so glad that you paid attention and that you don't have to start fresh. So I would say, you know, always have a a thirst for knowledge. Um, If you have an idea and you believe in that idea and someone doesn't believe in that idea, Keep it moving, right? Like you, you, the person who has to believe in it is you, right? And if you let somebody throw you off your game, then it's not a good idea because you don't believe in it, right? You have to believe in it and you have to push for it and, and make it happen, right? Even if other people don't believe in it, right? Because you're going to have naysayers and nine times out of 10, the people who are, not even nine, five times out of the 10, the people who are naysayers are not doing anything. And so, you know, why am I going to listen to somebody who hasn't started a business, who isn't running a business, who isn't running a successful business? Why am I going to listen to them when they tell me it's not going to work? They haven't done anything, right? So how, what is their reference point? Except to, to bring you down or to stop you from getting to what you're trying to achieve. So you have to be really aware of the source of, of who's giving you advice and who's who's criticizing you or who's telling you, you know, whether or not you can do something. And um, I would say that keep keep your mind open. That was one of the things that helped me, has helped me throughout my whole career. Even when I was doing things that I was like, you know, is this really gonna lead anywhere? I, I tell you with my um, first job at City TV, I was there for about a year um, out of school as, as I was doing other things, but I would go down there and volunteer. And that was through Jojo um, Chinto, who's my first mentor. And so, you know, he said, "Anytime, no, no, come down to the newsroom. <laughs> See, that's a whole other story. <laughs> come down to the newsroom." And I would come in there, and sometimes I was just sitting there, right? And I was just sitting there, And I'm thinking, "What am I doing here?" But I, but I went, right? Because what you want to do is to be in that environment for when that opportunity pops up. So then, when they're thinking of somebody, as I was there, and they needed a writer for BT, and I had done some writing. For free, I did some writing on the weekends. I asked for feedback. I got people to know, producers to know who I was, so that when that opportunity came up, it was like, hey, you know, why don't we give this person a shot? Right? She's been coming down here. She's dedicated. She's interested. She's trying. She's doing this for free. What if we paid her? What could she do?
0: Fanella, you have dropped so many jumps today. Thank you so much for sharing space with us. And I'd love for you to leave our viewers with your favorite quote.
1: Okay, my favorite quote. <laughs> I, have, I have a few, um, but I'll, I'll talk about one that I listened to recently. And I listened to um, a woman, her name is Louise Hay, and she is a motivational speaker. Um, she's written a bunch of books as well. and there was one that she talks about that resonated with me and she was, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't know it exactly, but the talk starts off with, you know, the the most important and the longest relationship that you'll ever have in your life is the one with yourself. Others will come and go, but you always have a relationship with yourself. And, and, and when you really think about it, right, like, it's true. Like you've got to be, you know, you have to have a great relationship with yourself in order to function through life. And the people who don't, the people who are toxic, the people who are broken, you know, they don't have a good relationship with themselves. They don't love themselves. They don't, um, you know, have, they have low self-esteem. They don't have, you know, a vision for themselves. They don't have an aspiration for themselves. So you have to examine the relationship that you have with yourself um, in order for, for anything good, positive to happen in your life. And once you have the proper relationship with yourself, once you love yourself, once you're happy with yourself, you know, I wake up every morning saying, I'm blessed, I'm blessed to open my eyes and I'm here to see another day. There are a lot of people who don't wake up and see another day, right? And I'm so happy, you know, with with my life and me and what's happening. So if you, you can't wake up in that spirit, you have to figure out why that is and you have to figure out how to change that so that you feel that way so you know examine the relationship you're having with yourself and then the relationships you're having with other people trust me they will change dramatically
0: you've been listening to the make your mark podcast you can visit our website and follow us on instagram facebook and twitter at makeyourmark.ca and please subscribe rate and review